0: This is John Alston again with uh, the Fire Officer Trust uh, blog and uh, podcast, and I have the unique and pleasing pleasure to sit down with Dr. Dennis O'Neill, uh, Superintendent of the National Fire Academy, and you may refer have you may hear me refer to him as Chief because uh, he and I worked together in the past in the Jersey City Fire Department. Uh, he knows I consider him a, a close mentor and friend. Uh, His advice uh, for fire officers and and my life in personal uh, has been immeasurable. And uh, we finally got a chance to grab him before anybody else uh, gets a hold of him. Chief, good morning. Hi, John. How are you? I have no right to complain. Uh, Chief, about maybe two to three years ago, I was going to leave the fire service. Uh, I had reached the point of retirement, and there was a trend that we were leaving the fire service uh, for a lot of reasons in the state of New Jersey. And... uh, I had to get rid of that knot in my throat about uh, wanting to leave something behind. And I'd worked with a couple of the officers' uh, training classes, if you will. And I started to notice a pattern of those that I kind of knew they had it and some that didn't have it but could acquire it. And I started to see these different characteristics. And so I started writing about it and I started interviewing people that I, I knew had achieved those characteristics in their life and and where did they acquire it and what steps did they take? So uh, if you would, I I know you're the superintendent of the National Fire (laughs) Academy but I want to roll the clock back a little bit and talk to you about uh, when you decided to be a firefighter and the point that you decided to be an officer.
1: John, it's it's great being with you here on campus and uh, it's New Jersey weekend and uh, we're just having a great time. John, uh, um, I came in the fire service uh, right after my I was discharged from the Army, and uh, my dad encouraged me to take the test. But it's kind of funny. He was on the fire department, and he, I wasn't that interested. He filled out the application, and I signed it and sent it in. I mean, that's really how it happened. And as you know, in New Jersey, veterans get uh, preference on the promotion on the appointment list, I should say. And uh, so I was on the top of the list with a few other veterans and uh, went on the fire department. And I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, but... I was fortunate enough to wind up in a fire, very, very busy sta- fire station where you and I both worked in an area um, in, uh, in the Lafayette section of the city called uh, uh, Five Truck and 20 Engine, and then it was a rescue. and, and uh, So it was very, very busy, but there were a couple of young guys in there, all veterans, and they were going to school on the GI Bill. And uh, so I, that was what kind of intrigued me. And as I was exposed to both their influences... And the influences of school was when I decided that I wanted to be an officer and i 'm going to not mention any names but my captain at that time um, was very good at doing things wrong I mean, and I learned i never i 've always found it difficult to learn from good people i 've always learned most from bad people okay. i 've always learned most from what somebody did wrong and I oh, I now I see the errors of their ways. So fortunately I had a captain that did that a lot. And uh and you and I if I mention the name you'll know immediately who I'm talking okay. about. We're not gonna do that. But um uh, so so uh because he was that way, I was encouraged also I said to myself, I can do that, I can do a better job of doing that. So that's pretty much how I, I got into it. And then then it was almost like um I saw the way. I saw how the process worked. I understood how the testing worked, and as you well know, uh, started a business teaching people how to do well in examinations and did that whole thing. And of course, once you own a business teaching people how to do that, you better be pretty good yourself. Absolutely. So in you know. those days of research that you
0: did, traveling all <laughs> yeah. over the country yeah. when our testing system changed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were at yeah.
0: the cutting edge. Yeah. And way back before <laughs> anyone was talking about assessment centers. Well, the,
1: we got a lot of. We helped a lot of people get promoted. Yeah. Now, Chief,
0: if you had to, you told me about a person that uh, you learned how not to do things. Was there any particular person that influenced you, modeled a, a characteristic or trait mm-hmm. that you said, you know what, I want to be like that type of person? Mm-hmm. Or maybe someone that mentored you mm-hmm. throughout your,
1: your career? John, I was fortunate like like you as well that I had a mentor. His name is Jim Klein, Dr. Jim Klein. And Jim was a professor at Jersey City State, one of my professors. and. Uh, He encouraged us to go on to graduate school, which we did, and then Jim and I went into business together, teaching people to do those exams. So I would say as far as an influence on my life, it was principally uh, Jim Klein. Now of course along the way, you meet different people and you pick up different things. Uh, There was a retired chief of the department named Ed McIniff in New York City, and uh, we worked with him on the promotional exam materials, and uh, he had poor night vision. And uh, so it was my job to go pick him up and deliver him where we had to go. And I kind of got a, a great education in the front seat of my Chevy, taking him around and asking him, how do you deal with this, how do you deal with that? And uh, he was someone who went from firefighter to chief of the New York City Fire Department in 24 years. Amazing.
0: And, um, I can remember reading his book, I think. Yeah. You, I first saw it on your desk. Yeah. Strategic Concepts, <laughs> the <laughs> yellow Bible, if you yeah. will, of yeah. the fire service. I remember that. In your opinion, what qualities make a good officer and or a leader, even if we weren't talking
1: about the fire service. Mm. John, it's it's more or less the uh, Supreme Court uh, discussion about pornography. You know it when you see it. But I've always found that um, there are certain traits that I always sought or admired in leaders. Uh, One of them was um, a a sense of self-discipline. And I'll say this about anybody in the world. We all have our weaknesses and the key to success is keeping those weaknesses under control. Just don't succumb to them. And uh, everybody's seen them all, you just turn on the television every night, somebody's going to get caught doing something wrong. Uh, The second is the sense of service, um, that you are going to be a part of something larger than yourself, that you're going to contribute to this uh, better thing, this this better opportunity to make opportunities uh, for other people. The third is what not to do. And the third is what my view. Um, If somebody sits down and can't say the word I or or a sentence without the word I or me in it, after about the third time I click off, you know, it's about them. So the the people that make a difference, the people that contribute to the organizations, the people who are the servant leader who are interested in the well-being of others as opposed to themselves. or the trades. And a friend of mine was talking to me one day, and he was more than complimentary about some of the things that we'd done here at the National Fire Academy. And, and I said, well, you know, I have a lot of good people at work here. And, you know, we think of try to get things done and this bat and the other thing. He said, no, Dennis, he said, everybody before you wanted to be the superintendent. You wanted to do the work mm-hmm. of the superintendent. So when I look at a fire chief or somebody tells me they want to be a fire chief, I say, well, do you want to be the fire chief or do you don't want to do the work of the fire chief? That's so right. that's another issue uh, associated with leadership, wanting to do the work. And then, you know, the, 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 um, the other issues about, a, you know, internal moral compass of not using your authority for personal gain, those kinds of things. So those are things I look at. All right, and, and
0: I, I appreciate that, um, you saying that, because I, in, in talking to officers and people who want to be officers, lots of times when you're them that question, why do you want to be it, mm. it there's an empty answer. Mm. Well, I just want to be it because, yeah. and not really know
1: the steps that it, that it takes to get there and that the work that has to be done. Mm. Uh, and it's a very simple question. I can divide it. Do you want the pay or do you want the responsibility? All right, And then yes. the pay is a lot of different things. It's the accoutrements of office, it's the rank, it's the it's the car, if, it's a, if it involves a car, if it involves a special office, whatever it is. Sure, sure, Okay, so do you want the pay or do you want the responsibility? Excellent.
0: Now, superintendent of the National Fire Academy, yeah.
1: fast forward, because <laughs> we lost you. We lost
0: you at a, gr- oh, a critical time, but we lost yeah. you. On the national scale and even an the international scale, what emerging trends do you see? Where do you see the fire service in the next five, ten maybe even 20 years, Mm. the trees that you're planting here, not just the physical trees, but the knowledge that you're planting here, where do you see that growing and going
1: in the future? Uh, The Fire and Emergency Services, John, is a product of its environment. We exist in an environment that controls us, and they control us through money, through laws, through all those kinds of things. So what we're seeing in the United States, and in the world, by the way, is the Uh, Aging of the baby boom generation. These are people born post-World War II, 1946 to 1964. Uh, They began turning 65 in the year 2011 in the United States. And um, we know a couple of things right now about seniors and about boomers. First of all, senior citizens in our country we have got 40 years of data. Uh, Seniors in our country are the high-risk group for accidents, they're the high-risk group for fires. And they're the high-demand group for emergency medical services. No surprises. Okay, okay. the people born now—the life expectancy right now of an American boomer, people born in '64 to '46 uh, to '64—their life expectancy is about 85 years. And um, so, the end of the boomers, the people born in 1946, will reach their life expectancy, 85 years old. I'm sorry, six, 85 in. The beginning of the boomers will age out about 2039. The end of the boomers will age out about 2050. Gotcha. So I'm going to get my numbers mixed up and I don't want to confuse your audience. But we've got 35 more years of high-risk accidents, high, high-risk fire, and high-demand EMS. Now these people don't care about schools anymore because their kids are raised. They don't care about roads anymore because a lot of them can't drive. Uh, all they want to know is when they dial 911 and hang up the phone, they want to hear sirens. Now, they don't care whose sirens, and they don't care what sirens, And but they want, they, they want something for their tax dollars. So the Fire and Emergency Services is going to have to begin to think about how they're going to deal with that problem. Because if they don't, if they don't get in front of it, if they don't uh, design systems to deal with it, those people are going to find another agency to do that work for them. Sure. Now, if you had to leave something
0: behind, Mm. like today was, God forbid your last day, Mm. or you decided that you wanted to move in another direction, Mm. what advice would you leave for future fire officers and or current officers, not just the retooling towards the Mm. EMS, but what could you say to them that uh,
1: would assist them on their way? I had a professor at New York University, his name was Neil Postman, and I, I quote him, pretty often because he he was a great guy, and he was very funny, but he's brilliant. And he wrote a book, um, and and it's, it's about childhood education, it'll come to me in a minute, but the first sentence in the book is something that guides me, and the first sentence in that book is, children are the living messages we send to a future we will not live to see so when I come to work in the morning, um, I have a couple of questions that I ask myself. One of them is, what am I going to do today to uh, improve the fire and emergency services? What thing am I going to try to do or what action am I going to take? And the other is, what living message am I going to send to a future fire service? I'm not going to live to see, and if you take that kind of that philosophic bent, It's a pretty good compass. Yes, sir. You know, it's a pretty
0: good compass. Yes, sir. Chief, I want to thank you for the time that we spent um, in the shadow of the 9-11 memorial, not too far from the Fallen Firefighters Memorial, and under one of the great trees that are down here. I appreciate you and (laughs) appreciate everything that you do. Okay. You be well, sir. Thanks, John.